And thank you for listening, and thank you for being here with us. And, uh, you know, I do, I want to teach at least one more lesson, and we'll see here what we get into. And then I want to minister to you, either healing or also we could just minister. I have refreshing in my hands, anointing for that. But we'll probably call out people that maybe need some ministry first. And we, I just want to share a little bit further with you, though, about what activates angels and your authority with angels. You know, in my book on angels, I included an, a whole chapter on our authority with them. Same for my deliverance book. Because I could tell you everything I know about the angels. I mean, over a period of time, I could. Uh, but really... If you don't know you have authority over them, you won't use them. You won't say anything. That's just the way humans are. We just don't do it unless we're convinced that we actually have authority. And I don't know how you could get any more authority. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ, my friend. You're not seated beneath him, behind him, over him, or under him. You're with him. He's just got one body on that chair. He's the head and we're the body. We're seated with him right now. Spiritually speaking, that's our position of authority. Like Ephesians says. So I want to talk to you at least for a few minutes about our authority scripturally. And I think it's, I don't think it's that meaty, but to some it may be a little bit over, overleaf because you maybe, maybe you know more than I think you do and I hope you do because this will just reinforce it. But let's begin by going back here to, uh, the book of Psalms chapter eight. And I'm going to start teaching in just a second here. Go ahead and turn there if you would with me. Psalm chapter eight on our authority with the angels. See, I already mentioned to you that they're not in our class. What I mean, I don't mean a class like arithmetic and, and, and uh, you know, English, but I mean they're not in the same. We are in a higher level class because we were created initially and still are in God's image. And we're called sons and daughters in the New Covenant. And uh, nobody can fill that position but you and I. And because of that, he has elevated us to the position of being a joint heir with him. So you, you have to know you have authority. It's just like that with the devil. If you don't know, have a, know you have authority or you're hesitant about it, he ain't going to listen to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I've always just kind of been a guy that just hated people that roughshod at other people. I was in the military for a brief time, and I, of course I was became a drug addict and got dismissed from the Navy because of that. But um, there was a guy in my barracks, he's a big old burly guy. I mean, he was about 6'2", he, I don't know how much he weighed, maybe 250. He was just a big guy, but he was a bully. And there was another guy in my barracks that had a big head. He had a water head, they called it. His, his head was about one and a half times the size of all the rest of the guys in there including me, but I liked the young guy. I liked the guy that had that problem or issue. And the bully just kept on taunting him and taunting him and taunting him. You know what I mean? Making fun of him publicly in front of everybody. And, you know, I was just the kind of person, I think I'm still that way, especially when it comes to the devil. But I just, I'm the kind of person, I can take so much, but then when I get over, over a certain level, look out, honey, Katie barred the door. And one time, this bully smarted off to him in the barracks. There's 60 of us in there, and I just had all I was going to take. And I jumped off my bed. They called it the rack. I jumped off my bed, and I was standing in the middle aisle. There was bunk beds all the way down through here, and he was at the other end of the barracks. I said, hey, big mouth. <laughs> he turned around and looked at me. If looks could have killed, I wouldn't be here. And he goes, are you talking to me? I'm talking to you, big mouth. 
Now, either I want you to shut up taunting him, or if you don't, I'm going to take you on, and you may win, but I'm going to hurt you bad. I'm going to bite you, scratch you, pull you, strangle you. And if you think I'm kidding, just try me. And if we're out marching on the parade, you know, out on the parade grounds, and you say something smart like to him while I'm marching, I will break rank and jump you out, and I will strangle you right on the pavement. He probably outweighed me by 70 pounds. I was a small guy back then, you know, probably 165 pounds. And uh, and I said, I'm waiting on you, big mouth. Boy, I got him riled. He was mad, but he did, he knew I was serious about it. I said, I, I may not be as big as you, but I'm going to hurt you. And I don't care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt you bad. And just one word out of you from here until we, until we graduate from basic training. And I'm on you. If you're, if you're eating in the lunch group and you say something, I'm going to jump the tables and beat you in the head with a pan. <laughs> Whatever it's going to take to shut you up because I've just had it. You're just a big, big mouth bully. Yeah. So well, his cronies jumped off the bed to get behind him. So there's now about five of them back here and I'm down by myself. And I hear some disturbance behind me and there's four or five guys jumps off the beds behind me and I go, praise God, it's on now. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> And I put him to the test. I said, either you're going to say something to me or I'm going to run at you with all that I have in about five seconds. I want to know your answer, big mouth. And I think he realized I was not playing with him. I was just, we would be on play deal at that point. And the devil knows that about me too. If you push me, I'll push you back. My wife always said when I teach on deliverance, you're you're spared from that with me today because I'm not going to teach on deliverance, but... She said, you get so aggressive, Michael. I said, well, that's because he's pushing me, and I'm pushing him back. Yeah. And I don't just push him once. I just lean on him until he's wore out, and he leaves. So I said, okay, I'm waiting, big mouth, for your answer, big shot. Come on. He said, okay. I said, I have your word on it. I want to hear you say yes. If that's true, if it's not, I'm going to run at you right now. We'll just get it on right now, just me and you. Your buddies want to fight the guys behind me. That's fine, too, but I'm after you. He said, okay. And that shut that whole thing down. He never, ever in my presence ever said a word to that kid before. You know, the kid, he just looked a little different than the rest of us because his head was bigger. But he was a real sweet kid. And that guy, I just hated bullies. All through high school, I hated them. I liked to beat them up. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, okay, I'm not violent anymore. Hallelujah. Anyway. So you've got to treat the devil like that. But what I'm saying is you have to know your authority. You have to know your authority. And I think I intimidated him, not because I was trying to intimidate. I was just mad. And I think he knew I'm not playing with this. I'm going to to put something on you if you fool with me because I'm not going to put up with it. All right. So we need to know we have authority. And you're not like dominating the angels. They're waiting to hear from you. That's the name of my book, Angels on Earth. They're waiting for you. In other words, they're waiting on you like a good waiter waits on you at a good table if you go to a nice place to eat. And they're around enough to not irritate you, but enough to fill your water. Or if you do need an extra fork or knife, they bring it. They're sweet about it. But they're also, it was a double meaning on that book, they're waiting on you. I'm going to give you the answer to that in the second part of this. You have to say something. That's what they're waiting on. They're waiting on your words because they are assigned... To you. 
mine are assigned to me. They listen when I speak. And like I said, well, none of them has ever talked back to me. I'm just grateful for that. <laughs> well, I don't say stupid stuff either. I base what I'm saying on the Bible. It has to be based on the scriptures to speak, you know. But you need to always be renewing your mind to the word that you're speaking positively. You're speaking based on the word. When you say, I'm so dumb, I don't ever learn nothing, that shuts down revelation knowledge in your spirit and your mind, and you just don't get it. When you talk like that repeatedly, the devil sees to it that you don't figure things out. You should never say that. You could do anything you want to do. You could be any kind of person you want to be if you choose to be that. I mean, you know, nothing's stopping you but you. Not even the devil. He may be trying to stop you, intimidate you, or tell you things against yourself that are untrue to make you feel insecure. He does that to most humans. You have to shut him down. And you can't answer, you can't answer thoughts with other thoughts. You have to answer thoughts that the devil puts in your head with words. And words of authority. You don't have to scream. That's just the way the Lord trained me to cast out devils. So when you were in the line last night, I'd get a little more aggressive, a little more unfinished, because that's just the way I follow Jesus' pattern. He told me when I started learning about it, he said, I'm going to teach you about the devil and demons. I want you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts. Don't listen to anybody's teaching on this. Just do what I tell you. I said, all right. And, I mean, later, eventually, when I knew something, then I could read Dr. Summerall. He was in my state, at the top of the state, Dr. Lester Summerall. And, of course, Brother Hagen, too. You know, they both, they didn't agree on everything, but they both were uh, fruitful in their ministry, especially Dr. Summerall, with deliverance. But he didn't understand the tangible anointing like I have and like Dr. Dufresne had and like Brother Hagen had. He was just kind of raw faith like Smith Wigglesworth. Anyway, I won't go down that trail too deep. I just want to get into this with you so well let's begin in psalm 8 here and uh it, let's start in verse 4 you with me psalm 8 we're, we're studying on authority right now authority our authority what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor thou madest him to have dominion this is the man this is us dominion over the works of your hands, thou hast put all things, how many things? All things under his feet. Now, let's go back up here to this word angels. See, you know, I'm not a scholarly person, but I do study, and I do study kind of strong and look things up. And the word angel here is not angels. It's the word Elohim, which is the same Hebrew word used in Genesis 1.26. Let us, Elohim, make man in our image. Really, this should read this way. <clears throat> let us, let us make him a little lower, or this is the way we translate it out of the Hebrew. He made man a shade lower than God himself. He's made in the image of God, but he wasn't, it wasn't God himself, but he was made just a little lower than God. You could say it this way, really, and not be, not be in error. When God originally created Adam and Eve, they were God to this planet. Everything was submitted to them. Everything. Bugs didn't bite them either. Mosquitoes didn't bite them in the garden. I'm not even sure there were mosquitoes, but anyway, they've since infiltrated our planet. <laughs> anyway, so this indicates to us that we have dominion over all things that God has created. Angels are created beings. 
So we have authority. That's just to get us started here. Let's move on. Let's go to Romans 8. And they told me up front that you could put up the amplified version of a scripture for me back there, perhaps, uh, if you had put up Romans 8, 16, and 17. And I'm going to read it from the King James first, and then we'll look at the board behind me, and they're going to put it up. Romans 8, where did it go here? 16 and 17, first from the King James. The Spirit itself, it should read, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And also that goes for everything else you learn. The Spirit will tell you, just like me today, if I've said things you thought, well, I've never heard that before. First of all, that doesn't mean that I'm wrong because you haven't heard it. Second of all, if you think about it a little bit, I think it'll dawn on you that I'm not a stupid person when it comes to this subject or any Bible subject that I teach. And it just may be true that you just hadn't thought through on it to be what I'm saying it is. Then he says, verse 17, if you're children, then you're heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him. That word suffer, by the way, has nothing to do with sickness and disease whatsoever. It has to do with suffering persecution for the word's sake. Or in this case today, saying things that I'm saying to you about your authority over angels. Unless you go to a really good church that teaches this, you have never heard that, that you have authority over anything. You know, it's kind of like, well, I'm just kind of making my way through the earth. No, that's not it. You have been created in God's image to have skill and power and dominion over not other, other human beings, but over all the spirit world, angelic and demonic. Let's see, they got it up here? Yeah, sharing his inheritance with him. Sharing his inheritance with him. We're sharing what Jesus accomplished for us. Whatever he gets, we get. See? So we're showing you that because that's what I wrote out here. Sharing his inheritance with him. He has an inheritance and we share with him in that inheritance, which makes us a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Spiritually speaking, you're seated at the right hand of the Father. You know, I mean, you watch movies and then people got their secret service, their DEA, their, I don't know what they are, CIA people, and they got certain badges that represent that. And the person who put, bestowed it on them, even in there with them, but they got that badge that says they belong to that. I was in Mexico one time. Sean was with me. And I got off a plane and a guy picked me up at the airport. His daddy's a general there in Mexico City. He's over what is equivalent to our DEA, drugs. What's the other thing for Alcohol, drugs, um, DEA. Anyway, he busted a hundred drug lords without getting one police officer killed. So they put a contract on him and his children, and his son's picking me up at the airport. <laughs> Sean, is this true? Raise your hand. I will tell. You. And he introduces these two guys to me. They're in suits over here, and he says, "My dad's General So and So with the equivalent to your DEA." And he busted a hundred drug lords, and they put a contract out on him and me. So I have two agents with me. And he said, show them, and they went like that, and they're packing. And they have a certain badge that they, and seriously, they got out in the freeway with us in one car. They stopped traffic, put that badge up that meant I'm a federal officer, and if you don't obey me, I'm going to shoot you. And the streets came to a screeching halt. I felt like Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford, you know, clear and present danger. I like to dream like that. It's okay. They were with us the whole trip, and they said, when we go in to eat, one will stay with the car because they'll try to put a bomb underneath. I know this sounds like a fictitious story, but it's true. I'm swearing. 
on the Bible. And one will go in the restaurant, but one will stay with the car because if they can, they'll put a bomb underneath it to get rid of it. And so there will be one of the agents will stay in the parking lot and keep his eyes on our car. Cool. I just felt like, wow, I love this. <laughs> I always wanted to be Harrison Ford in one of those movies. All right. Let's go to First Peter here, chapter 3. You could, um, let me see. I don't think I need this pulled up. Oh, well, you could pull it up anyway if you don't mind. First Peter three twenty two. Let me read the end of verse twenty one. First Peter it says, "By the resurrection of Jesus Christ." First Peter three twenty two. Now, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. Now, notice this: that remember we're seated with Him. And we'll get into Ephesians before we stop on this one lesson part in a minute to show you that I'm telling you the truth. But he said he's gone to the right hand of God. Angels, authorities, and powers being made subject unto him with all angels and authorities and powers made subservient to him. That's a great translation, too. I'd never seen it in the influence. So because Jesus has authority or dominion, whatever you want to call it, over angels, authorities, and powers, I do, too. You do too. You really do. <laughs> you may not feel like you got authority everywhere you go in the earth, but you have authority over this spirit world. Both sides are listening for your words to see what you're going to do. Okay, now let, let me go on here to First John 4 and 17. First John 4 and 17. I'm giving you enough scripture to validate what I'm trying to say to you. Says here, you're welcome. Herein is our love made perfect. First John five, first John four seventeen. Uh, Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. So as He is, so are I and you in this world right here. We're in right here in this world right now that we're living in. Now let's go over to Ephesians a minute. Chapter 2, first of all, Ephesians 2, and I'm just, I'm being kind of quick at this, and I've got one more, uh, not one more passage, but one more element to talk to you about today, about how to release angels, which is incredibly important. But chapter 2 of Ephesians, and verse uh, 5 and 6, I know you're familiar with this. Even when we were dead in our sins, we weren't physically dead, but dead spiritually to God because we were in sin. Hath quickened or made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So this is where we're seated. We're raised up together with Jesus and we've been made to sit together in heavenly places in him, in Christ. And verse, uh, chapter one, and verse, starting in verse, let me see here. I think I'm going to read, uh, uh, verse 20. Well, let's read verse 20, yeah. Which he brought, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above, this is our position, far above all principalities, powers, mights, and dominions, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet. And you know, I don't care if you're the little toe on the left foot and you're the mole on the little toe on the left foot. You're still in the body. You're equal to all the rest of us in the body. 
hath made all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. I didn't ask you to pull that, or did I? Would you? Yeah, that's where I, let's see here. Let me, I want you to put up a verse. Uh, well, let me see. Which verse is that? 22. Is that 22? Go back one verse for me. He put all things under his feet and appointed him the universal supreme head of the church. Now go to 23. A, the church, a headship, listen to this, a headship exercise, whatever the head has, the body has too, exercised. Yeah, right there. Throughout the church. You're not the head, but you share with him in his authority because you're one body with him. You don't say, well, I saw Dr. Jacob's body going by the other day. No, you see, my head was with me. Isn't that right? Yeah, so we're one with him, and so we need to get that. And the headship, what he has, so you think if I said Jesus has all that authority, oh, yeah, that's right, praise you, Jesus. But he shares that all with us as part of our inheritance with him. Now, listen, I'm being fair with you. If you've never heard this, you're going to have to think about it. And if you've already heard it, and I've heard a lot, I'm still thinking about it. And I'm becoming stronger every day in my sharing his headship with him. I'm not trying to be Jesus, but I'm trying to be a good son to him to the Father, and exercise that authority. That's why he died. I know you say, well, he just died to get me out of my sin. Well, that's partially true, yes, but it's a lot more than that. You're a new creature. Like the Greek says, you're a new species of being that never existed before. Nobody's ever been on the planet that has what we have. Nobody. And even since Jesus did what he did in the early church, I think they, some of them had it. Some of them didn't have it, I'm sure, because they didn't renew their mind to it. I just know how humans think. And, but you have to stay with it and think through on it. And it's not like a place of arrogance. Get that out of your mind. When I say I'm bold, I'm not being a smart aleck. But if I know my authority, I'm not afraid of anything either in that realm. And I've had people growl at me like a dog. Several people. I mean, I was in Mexico a few years ago, and a guy came down to the center aisle, and I just discerned immediately he ain't right. He started barking at me and growling at me like a wild, like a caged animal. I mean, he was just belligerent. And I, and I saw about six ushers stand up to tackle him, and I, I, got the first, I got the first thing, and I said, Shut up and come out of him in the name of Jesus. He took one more step, and he froze like this. <laughs> he went into a trance. And all of a sudden, all this stuff came out of his mouth. It looked like, and he stood there for maybe a minute or two. I walked back to him. He's 15 feet from me when I said, shut up and come out. God put him in a trance. And all this stuff drooled out of his mouth. And around this one foot, he had a pool of water. It looked like you put Alka-Seltzer in it. You know how it bubbles up? It looked like whatever came out of him was alive. And he kind of, I went back to him. I stand this close to him, and I said, and he went, where, where am I? I said, you're at church and you need Jesus. Give me your hand. He gave me his hand. I prayed with him. I didn't know anything about this. He's about 35 years old. Well, that was a Saturday night. <laughs> Needless to say, that was a very lively service when that happened. <laughs> I mean, the guy, I mean, you know, if I had been afraid, it would have made the hair stand up on my arms because he'd act like a wild animal. He started barking and growling at me. Of course, I've had a lot of people do that, and every one of them got delivered. So... <laughs> He, 
I went, we went home that Saturday night and came back Sunday morning, and he's sitting right there in about the third row back, and there was an older couple with him and a younger girl, a younger lady. He's about 35. The girl looked like she's about 18 or 20. And when we, I gave an invitation, the whole four of them came up, and the lady speaks. She's speaking in Spanish. The guy's interpreting for me. She looked at me. She said, are you the man that cast that thing out of my son? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. I want to tell you a story. I said, I'd love to hear it. She said, we had to put him out of our home two years ago because he is just crazy. And we thought he would slit our throat in the middle of the night and just kill us and run off. And he came home, and we changed all the locks on our home. We had extra barriers up because he was just so strong, and he was just out of his mind. When he got like that, you couldn't contain him. You couldn't handle him. He was just wild. And said, we were on the inside of the house, and he came to the door last night. It was late at night. Mom, Dad, let me in. Please let me in. He said, we stood on the, and she's telling me all this. We stood on the inside of the door. What do you think, honey? Well, I don't know. He's lied to us a hundred times before. And we stood there, and he just wouldn't quit. He's 45 minutes. He's now, please let me in. I swear to God, I'm different. He started crying. So they looked at each other. He said, I don't know. Maybe we could give it a try and see what he does. Well, we unlocked and unbolted the thing. And he came in, and he fell on the couch. He started crying like a little baby. He said, I, I don't know how I ended up in a church meeting last night, but this American preacher cast the devil out of me, and I got born again. And, and she's, yeah, and she said, me and my husband and my daughter, this is my daughter, we all just cried with him. And we could tell he really is a changed person. He was tender. He was sweet. He was kind. He was compassionate. And we'd like to receive this same Jesus. Would you pray with us? And we said, sure. We That's what you call power evangelism. <laughs> That's a wonderful story. Tell this one more, and then I'll get into the rest of what we want to teach on here. We had a guy come to my church one night. You know, that's when I was pastor, and I was a busy, busy pastor. Probably had counseling and study and my prayer time and everything you do as a pastor is like 17 different roles to be a good pastor, seemed like to me. I'm not complaining. It's just what goes with it. And it was late. It was about 6 o'clock at night, and I'd been there since 8 in the morning. I was ready. Put a fork in me. I'm done type deal. And my wife was there with my daughter. My daughter was probably 20 maybe then. I don't remember. And my wife, she's... She's about my, she was two years younger than me. And said, she came in my office and said, there's a guy standing in the foyer. He looks like a biker. And he said he wants to talk to the pastor. And I said, honey, just tell him to go on. I I don't want to deal with this. And then, so she turned to walk away. And Jesus did this to me. I'm telling on him. Listen. He said, Michael, you could help him if you wanted to. (laughs) What? What? You guilted me out. So she's ready to open the office door to say to him, he's not coming. And she said, he'll be here in a minute. I said, tell him I'll be there. So I go out. He's got a bandana on. He's got motorcycle boots on. He's got a chain, a Hardy Davidson chain motorcycle belt. I have one of those. And uh, he's got the, one of those wallets with a big chain going down. He's boots a hiney. And he's about 6'2". And I go, what's up? And he said, well, my sister... Your sister what? Well, I tried to cast the devil out of her, and it scared the, and he said the word out of me. (laughs) It was one of the greatest deliverances I ever had. (laughs) I said, well, I appreciate your honesty. Where is your sister? She's in the car. Well, go get her. And this 
this, I don't know what happened. This lady got out of the car. She had her purse like this. And she, this is the way she was walking. It was hilarious. She was going. <laughs> she was older than me. And she came in there and she stood on her little rug in the entranceway. My son-in-law was there with me in this event too. My, and this lady, the lady I'm telling you about, she did this with that guy in Mexico. And she began to bark at me like a dog and began to growl. And my son was coming down the hall. He was just a teenager. Then he's coming down the hall. He turned and heard her growling at me. He went, <laughs> He took off for the back of the church. <laughs> and that back, biker, I said, and gee, I grabbed her by her head before she barked at me anymore. I, Come out of her. She fell out. And he goes, my God, you've killed her. <laughs> That's what the biker said. No, I didn't kill her. She'll be back. Hang on. Oh, man. And maybe a minute or two, she was back. She looked normal. She had one of those epileptic things. I've had them had that with me. You know, look like they're having a seizure, but they come out of it. It's just the devil coming out, and he's trying to intimidate me or whoever's doing the deliverance. But she got delivered. It's just a funny story. And my wife's in here, got the blind she's looking at, and my daughter. And my son's ran off rain and tongue. Anyway, hallelujah. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit about what activates uh, these, these angels. Let's go to the book of Daniel. I'm not trying to take too long. Daniel 10. But thank you. You're here already. That's a good thought. And I appreciate you staying. I really do. I know what it, your time is important to you and me too. And uh, anyway, we're talking. And I would say to you, they're voice activated. I had a I have I have a nice car today, but I had a nice car a couple of years ago. It's a BMW, it's a seven series, it's a hunk of a a car, but it had a two CD players in the front end of it. It had a CD single CD, right? Then it had a a, a CD case like that put six CDs in and shoved it in on the passenger side of the dashboard. But this one over here would not work. This one would work with a button, but this one you had to talk to it. That's the only way it would activate. You have to push a button on your steering wheel, and you say, tape three, cut four, and it'll play that song, whatever that song would be. And that's the way you started it. So I I was watching, and I don't watch MTV, but I just got intrigued one time because these two biker, two, two hip-hop singers sing trash. They just sing total trash. That's why I don't watch MTV. But they had my car. They had that same BMW I own, a black one just like that, a 745 Li, and they pulled out of the BMW dealership, and they're trying to get the CD player to work on this side, and it's not working. And I screamed at them, you got to read the book, stupid! <laughs> so instead of being a normal human being, which they are not, I mean, they got four or five cars beyond what that BMW my car costs. They got all kinds of cars, expense, real expensive cars. But and he starts beating the dash and kicking the dash and cussing the car out. I turned it off at that point. He said, "Turn around, I'm going back and beat up the manager at the, <laughs> the dealership." And what I saw in that, the Lord said, "That's what's wrong with my people. They're trying to activate something, but they don't know how." You have to read the manual. 
They have a little mini book with it that you could cheat. You could have looked over there if he'd had any sense and it flipped it to CD player work. You know, it would have told him you had to speak to that one. That's why it wouldn't come on. He did, the longer he went, the matter he got. And the Lord said, that's what my people are doing. They're trying to do something, but they don't know properly how to activate. So I'm going to take this time to tell you, you have to speak. The angels are listening for your words. Remember, we learned last night, if you were here, that we're a theater to them. And whenever you go to a theater, I mean, there's not much on the at the movie house decent to watch. But whatever you watch, it, maybe you've got a good movie you like and put in at home on your CD player, DVD player. But you have to have to realize that the other world is listening for your words. That's what they're listening for, for you to give them some command. I know maybe that's hard for your brain to think you have authority over angels. Well, you have authority over your own angels. They've been assigned to you. Remember, this is my Bible. <laughs> I don't let anybody have this. I mean, I make sure I got this more than I got underwear on. You know what I mean? I'm really serious about this. I know where my Bible's at at all times, and if I don't, I panic. Where's my Bible? Very seldom to get away from me, but anyway. We're looking here at Daniel chapter 10. Is that where I ask you to turn? Okay, verse 12 here. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to chasten yourself, or really better humble yourself before your God, the words, thy words... Watch the angel, what he's saying. Thy words were heard, and I am come for your words. I was teaching this uh, 38 years ago in a Bible study, just what I'm telling you right here. And a lady, when I got done teaching that night, I could tell she had a burr under her saddle. You know what that means? She's, she's mad and she's coming for me. Got her Bible open. <laughs> I tell the ushers, you know, stop those people. Because I'm not going to argue with you up front over something. And she said to me, well, I just don't believe that. And I said, what kind of Bible you got? I got a King James. I said, well, open it up and read that passage to both of us. She read just what I read. She said, yeah, well, I don't believe it. And I said, well, and I can't help you, sister. You're, you're taking sides against the Bible, which is God's word. I can't. You're taking sides against Jesus. What can I do? It don't work for people that don't believe it. So you can just forget it. You're not going to get anything either from them. <laughs> and you have that in the Amplified? Like you can put that one verse up, verse 12. I think it says it better at the end of the, that verse on the uh, Amplified Bible. Uh, is there more to it than that? Yeah, this is it right here. No? no. Um, to understand and to humble yourself before your God. I have come. Uh, that's it. I hold that. As a consequence and in response to your words. You know, as he would say, well, God sent him, but God didn't send him until Daniel prayed and released his words. You're the instigator. I know, I know people, they struggle with this, but if you're waiting for God to do that, you're way behind. He's not going to do that. He, listen to me, he's already, what is that verse, Father, help me do Dang. It is Psalm 91. He's already charged his angels. I could say it to you this way. I'm not a techie person, but I do know a little bit. He put a program in different angels to do different things. You know, Abraham had an angel that knew how to get prosperity to people. And he went to his servant. His servant came to him and put his hand under his thigh, which meant I'm swearing an oath to you in a covenant to Abraham. He's his chief servant that he respected. 
The servant respected Abraham. Abraham respected him. You go to my family, wherever they're at, and you bring back a, a wife for my son. And the angel that works with me is going to go with you. Listen, and I will prosper your way. That's in Genesis 24, if you want to look at it later. The whole chapter, Genesis 24. And he sure enough went. I've thought about this a lot of times. I thought he went to somebody that knew Abraham. I don't know how close the relatives were. But he, he, this is what he said to the family when he met him. I think he met, uh, what was her name, Rebecca, that married Isaac. She was, you know, watering the camels or something, and she offered to help him get a drink. And she, he said, fine, and I need to talk to your family. And, and he went in there and said, my master is extremely rich with silver and gold and cattle. And he told me to come, and he wants your, he wants your daughter's hand for his son. And I don't know about the family, but they let her go with him. Or, and then she went willingly. I, that's all a big mystery to me, how somebody could be that trusting. But she did, and it all worked out. You know, Rebecca and Isaac did get together. They were married and had offspring and all that. See? But that, now that angel prospered him, Abraham. Angels can bring prosperity to you, and you should release them if you're a tither. You release them and say, Father, the angels go forth and cause my money to come to me. And Satan, you take your hands off what belongs to me and turn loose to that now. I command the money to come to me that I've tithed on and gave offerings to. Yeah, but they know how to do that. They know how to do that. The angels will help you. They'll do it legally. They won't rob anybody or anything. But they know how to get money to you. I'd be the biggest giver in my church six years ago. Didn't even attend my church but two or three times. And all he ever came to do is give me money for the church. One time he came, put a check in the mail in the front door. I would have brought it handcuffed to a courier thing. But he didn't. He just stuck it in the front door of the church between Sunday morning and Sunday night. I opened the envelope later. It was for $43,600. And I was behind in some stuff on a remodel I did for my church. And we got behind. That helped me get out a part of it. The next week he came and gave 12500 And one of my ladies brought a friend of hers that was not even from where I preached at, but she came to church with her and heard me preach. And I said, well, we got, David got, um, you know, Goliath down, but he had four brothers. He had four other stones in his bag to take care of the whole family if he needed to. That's the way David thought, I'll take these brothers out too. So God said to me, you take them all out. Not the brothers, but the debt I had. So I got back up the next Sunday and took an offering up. But this is an amazing story. I'll just tell you how. And I was praying, believing God for the angels to help me. This lady who I did not know, never seen her before in my life, haven't seen her since. She came with one of the ladies in my church. She brought her up and introduced me. My name is Susie. And I'm the, uh, what do you call the executor of my mother's will. She's 93-year-old. She's a Nazarene lady. She has Alzheimer's. She doesn't recognize any of us. I went to visit her yesterday at the nursing home. She looked at me and called me by my name, Susie, you make sure you tithe on my money. And then she fell back into a stupor and didn't know me for the rest of the conversation. Said, I got here today and you said you needed help. I gave you $500 to hearse to help you. The guy that paid the 43, he's the guy that gave 12.5 from the back. I only needed 13,000. The other 500 came from a lady with Alzheimer's in a nursing home that only became cognizant to tell her daughter, you tithe on my money. I mean, it's like, it doesn't sound real, but it's real. That's really what happened. All right. 
So you have to release words. Now let, let's go back here to um, Ecclesiastes for a minute, chapter 5. I think I mentioned this once or twice, but we didn't really turn to it. Ecclesiastes, go to Isaiah and take a left. And go back to chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes. Are you getting something out of this? So your words are going to release them. If that guy had known what I knew about the <laughs> CD player over here, he would have just said, tape one play. And he had to push a button on the steering wheel. He wasn't driving, so he, anyway, he could have got it to play, but he didn't know, so he just beating it up and getting mad. All right. In verse 1, Ecclesiastes 5.1, Keep your foot when you go to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that they do evil. Notice where they're at, the house of God, which is what Timothy says, the church. First Timothy 3.15, the house of God is the church of the living God. Do not, be not rash with your mouth, verse 2, and let not your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God's in heaven and you're upon the earth, therefore let your words be few. Verse 6, suffer not your mouth to cause your flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel, that it was an error. So now where are they at? They're in church. Remember, the house of God. And he says there's an angel that's church listening to you. So don't say before the angel it was an error. I made a mistake. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice? Listen. And destroy the work of your hand. Now you understand that's not what God's out destroying the works of our hands. You do know that in the new covenant? How many know the old covenant is old because it's outdated now? We're over in the new covenant and John 10, 10 says, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. The Greek says till it overflows. But the thief, the devil, the, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So God is not out doing that, but they didn't know any better back then. But the point I'm making is there was an angel at church listening. Probably the church angel. <laughs> and, and you shouldn't talk wrong in church because then the angel, he don't know what you want. See, I'm showing you it all comes back to your words. Okay, let's go to another one. Luke 12, and gentlemen, I need your help on the Amplified Bible. Luke chapter 12, verse 8 and 9. If you would, pull that up on the Amplified for me. I'm just about done, and then I'm going to pray for you, and we'll be done with that. And then I think pastor's going to interview me and give me the questions after you guys leave, or you're welcome to stay and listen to my answers if you want. Now, hang on a minute here. Okay. And I tell you, whosoever declares openly, speaking out freely, and confesses that he is my worshiper and acknowledges me before men. Now, hang on. Hold that still a minute. You know, when you acknowledge him as who? It's Jesus. And Jesus is the Word. He's the Word made flesh. So let's put that in there. For the, He's a worshiper, and he acknowledges my Word before men. The Son of Man also will declare and confess. Acknowledge him before the angels of God. Verse 9, but he who disowns and denies and rejects and refuses to acknowledge my word before men will be disowned and denied and rejected and refused acknowledgement in the presence of the angels of God. So if you'll speak the word, the word of God out of your mouth, Jesus, who's the high priest of our confession, Hebrews 3 and 1, high priest of our confession, you see what I'm saying? In other words, he endorses it. When you speak the word, Jesus gives his okay, and the angels get activated. But if you don't, you refuse to acknowledge the word, you know, you tell somebody the truth, and they just they spit it back at you. 
and they don't like that, then you don't get the audience with the angels because Jesus is going to see to it that's not that's you're not eligible then. So again, it comes back to your words. Let's go to Psalm 103. Hallelujah. Is this overkill? I hope not. Psalm 103, verse 19 and 20. You think a guy with 42 years of studying ought to have a verse or two. Uh, I, uh, Psalm 103, verse 19 and 20 says, The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength. The real Hebrew says they are mighty in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Now, the last part of this is critical. They, they hearken, and we think of hearkening in the English language that you, you, you heard something. But in the Hebrew, the word hearken there is to hear and to do. You know, you're hearing me now, but if you don't do what I'm saying, then you really didn't hear, hear me. You, you heard what I said, ver, you know, sound wise, but you're not doing. But in the Hebrew here, this word hearken means they hear and they do unto what? The voice of his word. Well, the word voice here in the Hebrew is, means this, to call aloud, to speak aloud, to call aloud. And the word word, the last word in verse 20, the word word is the spoken word. So the angels hearken, or they hear and do, those who speak the word. Not those who just read the word, but those who speak the word. Now let me show you how this, how this works. you got just a minute. Second Timothy, go to Second Timothy 4, one of my favorite scriptures of the whole Bible, because it, it, it contains so much revelation on it, I think. Second Timothy 4.18. And uh, it's just a wonderful scripture, Second Timothy four eighteen. So I'm gonna, when you find that reference, look up at me, and I'll know you're ready for me to continue this. This is my last scripture, by the way, and then I'm going to minister to some people, maybe all of you if you want. But Second Timothy four eighteen. Now this mic is hot. You can hear that me thumping it. Okay. So I want you to listen. I'm going to put this mic up to that scripture. And I want you to tell me what you hear. I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to put that up there, and we'll see if we can get this scripture to say anything. You ready? One, two, three. It must be this side of the congregation. Let's try it over here. One, two, three. That thing won't talk. But when I say, the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and preserve me unto his kingdom. I just said that word to you. They hear that and they hearken to it. The Lord, say it with me. The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me unto his kingdom. One more time. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and preserve me unto his kingdom. Is that up there? It's up there. Well, that's amplified, but I was reading from the King Jimmy, but that's okay. Are you listening? You're the one that puts the voice on the Word. The Word itself does not speak until somebody picks it up and puts it in their voice to speak it. You're the one that has to speak it. God's already spoke it, but how can two walk together unless they be agreed? He's already charged the angel that will do that. In other words, he said to these angels, okay, now you go in the human race 
And whenever they say, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me, you activate and you help them. But until they hear that from me or you, they're just standing there. And I think sometimes they're wondering, what's the matter with these people? (laughs) You know, we've been sent in all of our glory and power and things we could do that they can't do, but they can't be activated unless we speak to them. I mean, you're really safe if you speak the word. I mean, you get, you know, depending on your renewing of your mind and what you know, that you know you know of the Bible, that's a different deal. But for some people, it's minimal. So you just need to stay with the word, the printed word, and put that in your mouth. Put it in your own vernacular. The Lord delivers me from every evil work today, Father, and I thank you for it. And you preserve me under the heavenly kingdom. He knows how to preserve me and keep me. That's what I'm saying. And the angels are with me. But so they're delivering me from every evil work, including COVID or any other thing that's coming. And there's a whole lot more coming to this planet you're not going to be happy about, but you don't have to get involved with it. Hallelujah. Find verses that click in you about God's deliverance and healing. By his stripes, I am healed. He bore my sicknesses. And I always think he took it away. I don't just say he took, he took it away from me. He took it away from me. He took it away from me. He took it away. My mental illness, my emotional instability, he took it away. He made me whole, spirit, soul, and body. He made my mind sound. I got a sound mind. I got the mind of Christ. See, I'm speaking the word. (laughs) Or any other scriptures that stand out to you that, you know, they give, there should be a sense of something going, yeah, 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 on the inside of you. Like, yeah, 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 you know. Not like, I don't know if that sounds right. No, well then go back and find something that does sound right. Go to the Bible itself and just put it in the first person. You've given your angels charge over me, Father, to keep me from all injury, harm, and destruction. Where'd you get that? I got that by studying it and got some definitions from the different words given in the King King James Bible and translated them into English where I could really understand it. They delivered me from all injury, harm, or destruction. Yeah. Well, I'm just talking to you here. I mean, my neighbor was demon-possessed. He had a gun in his pocket, and he, was, he came for me one day. Just craziness. People are crazy. You talk about Paul. That's a double Paul. No, my, 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 my kitchen, my, I lived in a dump called a parsonage. I'm not, being, I'm not being rude. It just was a total dump. I didn't live like that except when I was a drug addict. Now I have a baby and a wife, and I'm living there. And my neighbor, he just hates everybody. He's just a mean, he's a mean motor scooter. I didn't like him. He didn't like me. I, I never did anything to him to aggravate him. I tried to be friendly, but he was just mean. And so my, my mother-in-law felt sorry for my wife and I. We had to go to the coin laundry to do our laundry back then. I don't know if you, what, what your place is here, but the BMV where I'm at, they're just insane there. You just look at the weirdest people you run into in the Viewer motor vehicles. Or a laundromat that's cheap. Oh, my gosh. And my mother-in-law felt sorry for us and bought us a new washer and dryer, and it started backing up in my kitchen one day. I'm not a plumber. So I called, uh, what's it called, Roto-Rooter guy. He came to the door. Hello, is this Dr. Jacobs? Yeah. I said, I don't know what's the matter. I got This is backing up in my kitchen. He went out. In less than five minutes, he came back to the door and knocked on. I said, yeah. He said, your neighbor lady right here cussed me out. 
I said, she what? She cussed me out. I said, they put dirt and mud and rocks in your drain there, and that's what's backing that up. So I, came, I said, is that right? And I came out, and there she was, standing there by the fence, and her husband was sitting on her porch about 50 feet away. But he was sitting on the porch where this hip was exposed. He didn't have a coat on. He had a pistol here. And I'm ex-drug addict. It wasn't a 22 or 32. It was a six-shooter. My God. And it's a big old pistol. And he sees me come out, and, boy, he, got, he started down. He had a sidewalk to get to me. There's a fence between me, my house and his. He jumped the fence, and he drew his fist back. He got this far away from my face. I mean, you know, I've been cussed out by some people, but he gets the trophy for number one cusser. I have never been cussed out like that. I'm not even sure what some of the words meant, but it didn't sound right. <laughs> and he drew his fist back, and he said, I'll break your nose. He's this far away from me. Well, kind of back to the big mouth story. I'm not a violent person, but I was a drug dealer, and I knew what it meant to handle myself if it came to it. And my wife is standing there with my one-year-old baby in her arms, and my dog is there, and, and she's not acting wild. I don't know what happened to her. <laughs> and the Roto-Rooter guy is going, oh, my God, oh, my God. Oh my. <laughs> He's having a meltdown because he thinks we're all going to get shot any minute. And my neighbor's a kind of crazy guy. He would shoot me and the dog and my wife and my baby and the Roto-Rooter guy just for fun. And I, you know, so what happened to me is fear got on me for about 10 seconds. And I thought, I'm going to take him out and I'm going to take that pistol away from him. I'm going to beat him bad and I'm going to repent later. That was, see, now listen to me. Listen, I'm being honest. When you're in fear, you think that way. I'm not that big, but I was mean. And I thought, and of course, he's threatening my life and my children, my, my daughter, my wife. I mean, everything went through my brain in about five seconds. If you feel, understand what I'm saying, I was scared for my family. So I thought, I'm going to have to beat him up or something, man. He's crazy. I don't want to let him get a hold of that gun. And all of a sudden, these words came out of my spirit down here, and they kind of floated up to my brain. That's the only way I know to tell you. And the Lord said, Michael, your angels are with you today. He's not going to hurt anybody. Oh, my God. I was so thrilled. I wasn't going to have to beat him up. I wasn't going to have to get an altercation beyond what it was already. I don't know. The angel could have had his arm because he had it back and cocked and his veins and his neck was sticking out, you know, like I'm going to hurt you. And all of a sudden I just took a step back and I said, I just got one thing to say to you. You're a poor excuse of a human being. I've never done anything to you, sir. Diana, let's go and get the dog. And wrote a rooter guy, you come with me. <laughs> True story. I put him on the couch. He's going, oh, my God. He's just so freaked out. I said, I guess you don't run into a lot of things like this happen on your job, right? No, not this intense. I laid hands on him, asked God to help him. He got normal after a few minutes. And, that, you know, we just, and I said, you're not going to hurt anybody today or any other day, my family or the Ruder guy. And I just brought everybody inside and we just prayed a minute and then, you know, I went looking for a new house. Yeah. That's a true story. God saved my life. I don't know what he would have done. The gun was loaded, I'm sure it was loaded. He wouldn't have come out there with a gun not loaded. And you know, but see, he just and the Lord talked to me later in the afternoon. He said, Listen, if you hadn't have been studying this for two years, you wouldn't have been in a position where this would have worked this way. I said, Oh my gosh, I'm so thankful. That you taught me to say that every day. The Lord has delivered me from every evil work. And, man, it was intense that day. I mean, you know, 
I don't want to have people run at me, cussing me, and then draw their fists back, and they got a weapon on them. I mean, I had that in drug days, but, you know, I was packing too or something, you know, or whatever. It dissipated. It dissipated all the, you know, where sometimes, and people got hurt and killed. But what I'm saying to you is, listen, the angels want to help you in life. It didn't always have to be that intense. But I'm just telling some personal events that happened in my life. So I'd like to pray for you. Uh, anybody want to come? If you want to come be healed or you want to come just be refreshed. And I think uh, Pastor Doug's going to move that for me as I grab my water here. I mean, you can stand up with me. Would you mind doing that? And if you feel like you need healing or would like healing or be, just to be refreshed. I'm just going to lay hands on you and believe for you to be refreshed if I minister to you. I'm going to ask you to come on and come if you would like to. We don't want to keep you all day, but we certainly thank you for giving me extra time. Thank you, Pastor, Pastor Doug, Pastor Fiona, for letting me come. I'm going to start over here on my right in just a minute and go down through here. And everybody's welcome to come and have hands laid on them if you'd like. Hallelujah. And uh, I think they've got some gentlemen going to help us if, if you need assistance. You know, this lady in the red here, I'm going to pray for her first. Receive that refreshing, honey. Let that go in you. That's it right there. Receive that refreshing. That's it right there. Receive that refreshing. Power of God's on you. Receive that refreshing on your spirit and your soul and your body. Receive it. That's it. Oh, my goodness. Receive that refreshing, honey. Receive that in the name of Jesus. God's working in you. God's working in you mightily. Receive that refreshing in the name. Receive it and be healed too today. Everybody that's in line, just take what you want. Be healed, be refreshed, be encouraged. Believe God to move in you and on you supernaturally. Thank you, Father, for the anointing flowing into these people in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for that. Power of God's on you, honey. There it is. Power of God's on you, ma'am. There it is. Power of God's on you Mm, in the name of Jesus. Power of God's on you, ma'am. Just receive that. Receive that. That's it right there. Power's on you. Power's on you, ma'am. Hallelujah. Power's on you. Power's on you in the name of Jesus. Power's on you, ma'am. Hallelujah. Power's on you, ma'am. Thank you, Father, for that. I appreciate, listen, everybody that's been prayed for, you can be seated or go back and we'll let everybody else come. I want to say something to the group that's just here. Thank you for not praying out loud when I'm ministering to you because you can't receive and put out at the same time and get it. I don't know if anybody ever told you that, but that's like trying to talk with the gargling peanut butter. You can't do both. And sometimes, you know, I think last night there was somebody here and they started praying and raising their voice. I started to stop them, but I wasn't sure if they'd get offended and anyone would get anything. But sometimes I've had to stop people in the prayer line. Because I said, what if I had a word for you and you're screaming and praying so loud I can't even hear you. I'm going to have to scream in your ear or something. I'm just giving you a little, this is just basic 101, how to lay hands on people. You can't do both. You can't take in and give out. I'm not saying don't pray, but when I'm praying for you, don't. When I'm laying hands on you, just receive it. That's the best thing. Receive that anointing. Oh, that's anointing went in you again there. Receive that. Oh, that's it right there. Think that anointing. Oh, that's it. Receive that anointing. Hallelujah. 
God's doing a supernatural work in you, lady. In Jesus' name, receive that anointing. Hallelujah. Receive that, my sister, and be healed in your body. Whatever's wrong there, I just pray be healed for you in Jesus' name by the power of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Receive that anointing is on you for good to help you and minister to you in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Receive that anointing. Let it go in you. That's it. Let that anointing go in her, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you for that. Let that anointing go in her, Father, in Jesus' name. An anointing something that does things only God can do in you. Praise God. All right. Let that anointing go in her, Father, in the name of Jesus. That's it right there. That anointing went in you. Praise God. We thank you for that, Father. Hallelujah. You know, I, yeah, hallelujah. Now, you know, I didn't call some things out. I could have, but I thought if you're sick, come on up, remember? But anybody, and maybe you didn't come. I don't know. Some problem, somebody got a throat problem in your throat. I don't know what that is. You have some issues in your throat. Is that it? Anybody that didn't come up, you need to come up now? Just checking with you. Okay. I don't run and get me when I'm getting in the car out there because <laughs> just checking with you. Just making sure. Okay. So, and we said come if you had any issues. So, just believe all that's taken. And thank you so much for attending. I've had a great time with you. I could tell I was received and uh, that you guys were sweet to me. And I appreciate that and kind. I'm not the easiest guy to listen to in the world sometimes. <laughs> but. I've enjoyed it greatly, and I appreciate your pastors inviting me. I didn't know them. I never. I don't think. I mean, I might have drove through Pennsylvania one time. I don't even remember that. But uh, I'm glad I came, and I'm glad we got to be with you. And we'll be here tomorrow if you go to this church, or you could come back in the morning. What's it? Ten o'clock. And I'll pray for you guys in the morning, pastors in front of your church, your church group, and probably the leadership if you let me. That's leaders in this group. I'll pray again for them. But I think that's all I got. So, listen, hey, thank you. You're sweet. Thank you. We're going to, are we still on live stream? Are we still on live? Okay, good. Keep it on. If you want to give an offering and also live, you could do that through our website. Um, Somebody had asked earlier, my husband said something to me. I forgot to say something to you. Uh, You make a check out to VCF, um, short, VCF, Victory Christian Fellowship, at any of the podiums there, you just we have envelopes, just drop it in. And um, if you're putting cash, if you would like to get a receipt for your giving, just make sure we have your information. And, uh, and then um, tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. is our service. Right now, after I pray, we're going to close out uh, this session, and then we'll restart our live stream, and I'll answer the questions online, you know, on camera with Dr. Jacobs, but if you want to hear the answer to your question live, you can just stick around. No big deal. Um, did you have a good time? Yes. Do we now know we're equipped, right? Now you know something and you're responsible for it. Yes. <laughs> so you kind of just got to, it's a catch-22. Now you got to use it. <laughs> so thank you so much, Dr. Jacobs. See, when you're I was welcome. praying about this, call, when, when did we start this? Like February? Yeah, February. And uh, I wasn't going to have a conference because, you know, I got a lot of things to do. I was like, you know, can I just skip it this year, Lord? 
<laughs> give me a little break. And it was a no. And I said, well, then what do you want me to do it on? Because I wouldn't do a conference without a, a reason. And it was on the ministry of angels. So the first person I thought of is the person I know that talks about angels that I've heard. But I tried to contact them and I didn't get through. <laughs> I said, well, Laura, we, we're going to have a conference. Uh, we didn't announce it yet that we were having a conference because I didn't have a speaker. <laughs> and, but I knew what the topic was. That was progress. <laughs> so I said, Lord, if you got the topic, you got the speaker. Well, here, when the Lord told me that, I didn't know Dr. Jacobs. I didn't even know he was on the planet. <laughs> and Doug heard Nancy Dufresne one day watching the Victory Channel. I come to church. Doug's all excited, which you have to know. This is like major. Because my husband's excitement is generally kept inside. I have to pull it out. Except when he preaches and he's running around here. And so he gets up from his chair, meets me at his office door to tell me about this message he just heard from Nancy Dufresne on faith, something he teaches on. I thought, this got to be good. If he is so excited. So I went to listen to it. And when I heard her teach, I thought, man, she's such a good teacher. So I kept listening to her stuff, went to the gym, I think the next day or something, I'm listening. And then I found out her, her YouTube channel is live. I went, wow, they're having a conference. So I'm going to listen to whoever she has as a speaker. And Dr. Jacobs was a speaker. And he was talking about the ministry of angels. So I, at my gym workout, I was listening to that, and I went home promptly, looked up how I can find his information, called, and I got an answer. <laughs> his angels got him stirred up. But see, whatever Dr. Jacobs prays about ministry opportunities with angels, they found us. God connects his word all over the planet. <laughs> and I even tell people, don't just say on the earth, say on the planet, because um, there's people living in the space shuttle up there. What do you call it? Um, the International Space Station. There's people up there, wherever that is, there is. I want them to be affected, too, by what I do, because they can tune in to what's going on, right? And they need ministry. They're up there by themselves for a year or whatever at a time. They should hear something about God, right? So look what God did. Look what God did to bring somebody here that we didn't know a month ago <laughs> to talk to you and I about the ministry of major part that's been missing. And now we know how to utilize it properly. Amen? So, Father, we thank you for all that you do for us. Behind the scenes, how you, where we're weak, you're made strong. And how you fill in the gaps for us when we are totally clueless. And we thank you, Father, that you have helped us this far without the knowledge we just gained from your word about the angels, the ministry of angels. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us such an advantage over the enemy. And we take every bit of that benefit, Father. I ask you, Lord, that you will continue to give us revelation knowledge on the ministry of angels in our own lives. And for this church... And for this community and the schools in our communities, wherever these women are from, wherever the people that are listening to me, any time, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, one hour from now, 
wherever the sound of my voice goes, Father, we speak that revelation on the ministry of angels will come and communities will be transformed because we are putting them to work. And I thank you, Father, that harvest will come in like nobody's business. It will exceed the businesses of the community, the church. The church will exceed the businesses of the community. And we speak that out, Father, in the name of Jesus, that the kingdom of God is greater and it will be seen. And I thank you, Father, that we have gone up levels we don't even understand in this place today. I speak a blessing over these women. I thank you, Lord, that they have come, spent their time and their money and resources to come, and bless them for it, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen and amen. I'm going to tell you, I didn't talk about my books because, you know, I just, we didn't have time. But I heard Nancy Dufresne say that she talks about her books because the Lord scolded her and said that was a revelation he gave and she would just be like oh i wrote some books but she talks about it because it's precious because god gave her the revelation that she wrote it down and it needs to be discussed so i was uh the identity i wrote a book called identity reset and it talks about our authority and so if you have a little problem with you know identifying like dr jacobs is telling us who we are i would highly recommend that book to get you started uh, there's a bunch of people here that <laughs> we, um, there's a group that meets on s- the first Sunday of the month that meets here after our service, which is about 12 o'clock, and they meet here, and the, they're going through that book right now. And Miss Nadine heads that group up, so you can check, chat with her if you want to hop over from wherever you are on a Sunday. But my point is God has put right here in Palmyra information to help you. There is zero excuse (laughs) for you not to function at a high level for us to get this community in shape. (laughs) And all these homosexual churches need to go bye-bye because they're not churches of God, okay? And so... (laughs) Somebody was getting nervous back there I said that word, but... It's okay to go live stream. Uh, (laughs) So all these things are creeping in. There's a very big school in our area that's privately owned that's in Hershey that has hired people to write curriculum about that subject. And we've been praying against it. Now I know more what to do about it. But my point is how it it shouldn't be. (laughs) It shouldn't even, because you know why that's a problem for me Because that particular school has billions of dollars. The devil doesn't get to put his hand on that money and use it for that purpose. Not in this realm. Do you hear me? And so on the website of that particular school, they have their belief system, which is Judeo-Christian beliefs. So guess what we're doing? We are agreeing with the original founder on the Judeo-Christian belief to be established there and continue. If you want to get in and participate, that's what you can do. You know what school I'm talking about. (laughs) So what I'm saying is private or public schools need to adjust to the environment we are creating. 
right? So that's how you start. Your women, you have influence, do something. (laughs) Fix the house, the community is fixed. Don't get afraid to talk to your kids. Ask for help. Angels can talk. Angels can work with the kids too. Yeah. Ask for help. And let, because I'm going to let you go. <laughs> you know, the Lord showed me just now when Dr. Jackson was talking about your, um, you know how people are afraid to do things for God because they don't know if it's God's will, right? So, well, I don't know if God wants me to do this. I, well, here's a, here's a clue. Whatever you're doing now is not his will. If you're not doing anything for the kingdom, you're out of his will. So at least the first thing that comes to mind for you to at least do, at least start moving in that direction. Make a plan for it and he'll direct you. But not thinking you can't do anything and you shouldn't and you don't know if you should, all that is out of God's will. <laughs> so you're already out of his will. So you might as well hop in to some kingdom job that he's t- at least tugging you about and let him qualify you to actually do it. Do you understand? All right. Identity reset will help you. Also, if you're a homeschool mom or you know moms like that, we have our curriculum, our Sunday school curriculum that's written out in book form. It's in our bookstore. So you're welcome to all that. All right. You guys had a good time? If we have one again next year, you think you'll come? I mean, next year we're going to be sold out. Here's the thing. I'm going to be done with my doctorate by next year. Only God knows what that means, but I think it means big things. So... We don't even know if we're going to have this here next year. We'll have to see where God has planned. But now I got these angels, this angel information. (laughs) I mean, it's on. That's all I'm telling you. So you want to keep your ear open to what we're doing here. If you want to participate or whatever, tell your friends from out of state. They can fly in. They did last year. Nobody flew in this year because they didn't know who Dr. Jacobs was. But now you know when we bring somebody in. We didn't just like say it's our friend. We want our friend to come and speak. Mm-mm. He's a guy and he's speaking at a woman's conference. So, <laughs> right? Have you ever spoken at a woman's conference? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I believe in uh, in Galatians three twenty eight. Yep, so for that reason, I don't have to look for a woman to speak at a woman's conference. <laughs> I look at the person God says that has the information we need. Amen? Amen? So, Father, we thank you. Go ahead. Did you want to say? Oh, yeah. For the husbands, there's a men's conference. My husband does the same thing. He listens to God. You're having a speaker. You already know the speaker. John George. So, start. Men can fly in. Yeah, start telling them. They can fly in, call your, all the laws and all the outlaws and in-laws, call them. (laughs) Plan to hang out with the wives and let the husbands come, right? When you find a place that's doing what God wants, show up. (laughs) I mean, it's simple. (laughs) I mean, if you plan your vacation around it and just show up. You know what I'm saying? It's not rocket science. (laughs) It's wisdom. (laughs) Amen? So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, again. We thank you for this conference. We thank you for everything you've done. We seal it, Father. We thank you, Lord, that the blood of Jesus covers us as we travel. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, ladies, thank you for your time. We're going to regroup here a minute, and I'm gonna, we're going to go live again. If you could end that, and then we'll go live again.